hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. Might be one of the most dominating performances we'll see all season long. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar Series. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. Oh my goodness, what an incredible race and what an incredible champion we have on our hands. Wow. This is Brick by Brick. Uh, It has been 254 days without IndyCar racing, but fear not. This coming Saturday, we're back at it, kicking off the 2020 NTT IndyCar campaign. Hi, everyone. Jack Arute, along with A.J. Amendinger on this edition of Brick by Brick. A.J., you had a little opportunity at Bristol. Just didn't work out the way you'd hoped in that Xfinity race. Well, I mean, it's it's Bristol. That I don't know really <laughs> how else to react to it. Could have been better, could have been worse, and that's usually the way the race plays out. But uh, for my first race back, really, first non-super speedway slash road course since 2018 Homestead. Uh, felt pretty good about it. The college racing Chevys, wow, they uh, they have some speed in them. So I felt like if we could have got up there, we had a really good shot. But, you know, that's part of it. Finished 10th. As I said, I, I felt like we could have definitely finished inside the top five. But there was a chance here we uh, we almost crashed. So That's we'll Bristol, baby. That's yep. Bristol, baby. Uh, you know, the reason I bring up the Bristol is in many ways what we're about to witness on primetime on uh, the flagship for NBC, the mothership this weekend. Uh, in, in one respect, I you can make the argument that Richmond or Iowa, but I really think that Texas for IndyCars has got some Bristol-esque, uh, shall we say, tendencies. You're, you're, you're wide open. You're out against the rail. You've got the bumps. Am I, am I onto something there? Well, we're definitely not wide open at Bristol. I, I will say that. Uh, sometimes we feel like it, but yeah, yep. for as fast as the Indy cars run around Texas, their steering wheel is not straight, probably more than what, two to three seconds down the, uh, at, per lap, because down the front straightaway, you're always turning down the back straightaway. By the time you come off turn two and already set up for turn three, I mean, you can only be going down that straightaway for a couple of seconds. So uh, yeah, in a way, it probably feels like a bull ring. You know, I was able to test at Texas right. uh, when I was getting ready for the uh, for the Indy 500 in 2013 with Team Penske. And, whew, I mean, it, you got to hold your breath around there. When the why car's I perfect. Said it's, why yeah. I said it's Bristolette. Bristolette. Yep. So it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's for these rookies, especially for the rookies, when they show up and their fir- first race is going to be at Texas, Oh, they're in for uh, for a fun night for sure. And we'll visit with one of those so-called rookies that uh, uh, will be visiting with us in the second segment, along with uh, a guy that's taken over Dale Coin Racing's flagship number, Santino Ferrucci, will be front and center. It will along with Oliver Askew. And yesterday, I had a long, extended, and fairly enlightening sit down with Roger Penske. And that will be part of Brick by Brick. But let's get to some of the news and notes. There, There is no way that you can ignore, um, and let's set aside for a moment, the COVID-19 challenges that we've been struggling with for months and months and months. But the social unrest, unrest that has occupied the last eight or nine days, 
uh, ha- has certainly turned our nation upside down. And, you know, major sporting entities are weighing in as they should in hopes of adding some calm. And I, I just want to read to you the statement from IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It says, IndyCar and the Indy Motor Speedway are deeply saddened by the tragic events and violence that has taken place in our country over recent weeks. Our hearts break for everyone that has been affected, and most especially the family and friends of George Floyd. As a country, there is much work to be done. And in our industry, there's more progress to be made in breaking down barriers and contributing towards more inclusive and compassionate society. Now is the time to listen, learn, reflect, and stand firmly but peacefully against racism and prejudice. It's our most sincere hope that out of this difficult and very sad time comes new and stronger resolve to make positive change and build lasting bridges, both in our sports world and across our nation. I don't think I could have said it any better, AJ. It is a, it is a precarious and dangerous time right now. And, you know, one of the things that I think without editorializing too much that we should be able to take at least a lesson from what we did as a country in battling this pandemic is it's time to set aside our differences and come together to look towards the future. So I, uh, I echo the sentiments and I'm sure you do as issued by that statement from uh, IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah. uh, I mean, just as this has all happened over really the last week and we see the protests and in my hopes is that from all this, just as we spoke about COVID in a different way, but it does bring us together as a, as a country, as a nation, you know, really throughout the world to, to all try to work together, be, be nicer to each other, you know, be more helpful. And it's sad right now that we have to go through these tragedies to, to remind us, to help try to bring us together. So in something like this, hopefully positives can come out of it. But yes, right now, definitely uh, tough times. And as we learn from it, hopefully we can move forward and just be better people as a whole. But yeah, uh, it, it's hard to speak about it, yeah. uh, but it needs to be spoken about for sure. Tough times never last, but tough people do. Uh, one final news and note, and we had touched upon it last week, uh, projecting forward to uh, the Indy cars at Texas Motor Speedway. And that is the challenges that will be faced by the teams and by the tire manufacturer, Bridgestone Firestone. Um, certainly, you're not going to have a, a long test session. And all of a sudden, we touched on tire degradation. Listening to uh, Scott Dixon weighing in on it, uh, it, it seems as if all of the tire engineers and uh, the teams are very concerned about it, so much so that they're probably – most likely going to uh, shorten the stints between tire changes, not based upon you running your fuel load all the way out, but based upon trying to ensure that this tire degradation uh, does not play a key role in the outcome of the race. Um, You know, we tend to talk about the teams, but when you look at like a tire manufacturer and you know this because you've done it, um, they spend a lot of time testing on site and, they haven't been afforded that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, 
I look at it two, two ways. If I'm the tire manufacturer, I feel like this is necessary. You want to make sure because the speeds that these Indy cars run around Texas, you can't take a chance with, with lack of testing and have an incident happen right. because that can be very costly in, in so many different ways. As a driver, especially if you're Scott Dixon, a guy that is for sure known of how to take care of his tires, how to pace himself through every stint, and that's why we see Scott Dixon at the end of all of these races. He's in the forefront having a shot to win because he knows how to take care of his equipment and tires, especially around a place like Texas. So, yes, as a driver, in that sense, I would be very upset that they're going to shorten these stints and really take away some of the advantage guys like Scott Dixon have. But as a tire manufacturer, Bridgestone and Firestone, you know, they need to do this just to be cautious to try to put on a great show. And it's no different than the way NASCAR had to adjust to no practice, no qualifying and drawing out of a hat. We do what is necessary. Final news and note. Uh, we have a three-tiered system that supports the NTT IndyCar Series. You've got uh, the, the uh, uh, U.S., the Cooper Tire U.S. Formula 2000, the Indy Pro 2000 championships. They will remain intact with adjusted schedules. But going by the wayside is the 2020 campaign for Indy Lights, citing uh, COVID-19 pandemic. The schedule has modified and changed. So that brings you up to speed. Next up, we visit with a brash young man that at one time, AJ, and you may have had this title somewhere along the line, was voted by the world media to be one of the most hated drivers in motorsports. Stay with us on Brick by Brick. I don't think he's really all that mean. In fact, I think he's a pretty talented guy. We'll get to that right after these messages. It's Brick by Brick with A.J. Allmendinger and Jack Aroot on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and the Sirius XM app. Starting Thursday, June 4th, Dan Patrick Radio will become Sirius XM's home for Australian rules football. Walked into all styles. Join Australian media icon Eddie Maguire for Aussie Football Rules America as he brings you the latest celebrity chats, tips and expert analysis of Australian football. Then and stay tuned for the Aussie Rules Game of the Week. Kick the goal and Freeman will win it after the siren. It all starts Thursday, June 4th at 6pm Eastern on Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211 and the Sirius XM app. From the green flag to the checkered flag, we're discussing the hottest topics from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Brick by Brick. Back with you, AJ Allmendinger and yours truly, Jack Root. It is Brick by Brick. And don't forget, coming up right after us at 7 p.m., you want to stay right here on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. We break down the 1969 Indianapolis 500, won by Mario Andretti on IndyCar Classics, my first of 50 consecutive trips to the Indianapolis 500. And Mario finally tells the truth about the front row picture, as well as challenges he faced during the course of the race. We were talking about tires, AJ. How would you like to have run the entire Indy 500 on the same right rear? That's what Mario did in 1969. Yeah, no, I'm good on that, man. You're good on that. Mario's got more talent than I do. He, No, I'm I'm good. (laughs) Well, let's ask our next guest if he would like to do that. Joining us now, Santino Ferrucci, 
driver of the uh, number 18 Sealmaster Honda for Dale Coyne Racing with Vassar Sullivan, uh, getting ready to finally unleash the 2020 NTT IndyCar campaign in Texas this Saturday night. Santino, care to take up the Andretti Challenge and run the entire Indy 500 in August on the same uh, right rear? I don't know about that. I mean, uh, <laughs> obviously, even going back then, that that's still real crazy. I mean, hats off to uh, Mario. He's probably one of the best in the world and best to ever live and walk the planet. So to have someone of that talent do something like that is just, it's unheard of. It will forever probably be unheard of as well. Let's yeah. get to the heat of the matter, all right? Before you joined us, uh, in your bio, uh, it says that you were cited as one of, at one time in your career, especially in your European outings, as one of the, and I quote, world's most hated race car drivers. Come on. Who can't Am love I? a kid from Woodbury, Connecticut? Oh, that, 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 I'm, I'm not sure how I actually managed to do that. So, um, <laughs> I'd love to take some pointers from myself to learn, but, uh, no, it's definitely, uh, definitely an interesting one to have alongside a couple of the other accomplishments. So, but, I mean, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Jack, the theory is, is, is if you're hated, it's because you're pissing people off because you're being you're good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, my my theory was if I hadn't pissed somebody off by the end of a race, I didn't do my job that day. So <laughs> I, I like it, you know, but, you know, Santino, going off of that, your aggressive style, we, we saw it at times last year. Uh, you know, I stand out, Joseph Newgarden at Gateway was one of them. Where do you find that fine line of being aggressive, but not too aggressive? And as you went through your rookie or your, your season last year, was that something that you kind of had to to play on a fine line there of what side you wanted to be on? I mean, my first goal was to always bring the car home in one piece. Mm. And we did that with the exception of just Laguna, where I, I made a small mistake on the brake bias in the clip Sato. But, you know, being aggressive, you can't let the, the veterans push you around, especially as a rookie. And, you know, they think that because you're coming into the series, you knew that, you know, going back to that incident, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Let him buy? I mean, <laughs> let's be realistic here. We're racing last lap, last turn, and I was also trying to catch the car from coming out of the marbles, trying to pass TK, which if you've ever raced TK, he's a moving roadblock, so especially on an oval. But um, no, I mean, I, I'm here to race hard. I'm here to win races and to put the car across the line every time. So I think that fine line stands at being aggressive, but also being smart and not wrecking front wings ripping off corners and you know that's that's my goal as a driver is to bring the car home in one piece and do the best we can wow tk a moving what did you call your partner? moving roadblock a moving roadblock and he co-hosts a podcast with you i know that's the scary part <laughs> let's talk a little bit about you know conversations that you've had as you prepare for your sophomore season uh you were basically given the keys to the kingdom taking over the Sealmaster mount. And look, I, with, with all due respect to Dale Coyne Racing, that's the primary car. And you got big shoes to fill. Seabass did a pretty damn good job in that race car. Uh, how antsy are you to go out and prove yourself at Texas this Saturday night? I mean, I'm not out here to prove myself. I want to keep doing what I was doing last year. Mm -hmm. I'm not Sebastian. Um, I don't have 20 years under my belt. 
Uh, there was also times last year where we were quicker, but there is a lot of times where he schooled me, especially in racing, just because of his experience. And I learned a ton from him. And I, as much as I do wish I had another year with him as my teammate being the veteran driver, obviously due to circumstance, I get to be that veteran. And uh, I'm going to take as much as I can from learning with him and applying it to work on the same approach I had last year, which is bringing the car home and uh, just to minimize a few of my rookie mistakes uh, in races and long runs, uh, understanding the tire management and fuel better to uh, have better results overall. You know, looking at your results last year, you finished fourth three different times and they were all on ovals. And, you know, when I was looking at those stats, it kind of shocked me because, you know, from a guy that, that from the European side of it was trying to work to get to Formula One, it's all road racing. You know, what about the ovals did you take that you really initially just from the start of it, you were quick and more importantly, you knew how to get to the car to the end of the race. So what about those uh, just in general, did you kind of gain so quick and, and learn from? So with the ovals, uh, it's just about endurance and strategy. I mean, I'm sure, you know, from NASCAR, you're always working your tools in the car as well. And I feel like in Europe, I was taught very well to work with what we had, to be always be adjusting. And when we got to the ovals, you know, it's something that you see like the Scott Dixons do, where they're adjusting the car multiple times a lap. And I, I just started to get more comfortable with the weight jackers, with the sway bars. And when you saw, when we got to Gateway, I mean, that was really our, our shining race. And I was adjusting the car two, two plus times a lap with the weight jackers and bars, just trying to reset it up for every single time we went to one, two and did three, four. And then throughout the run, I was always trying to stay two steps ahead of the car. And once I figured that out, I was actually in such a good rhythm and a set of mind where I didn't have to think about driving. Mm -hmm. All I had to think about was hitting marks and understanding what the car was doing and everything just came second nature. And, you know, it's, it's harder to get that in a road course with a uh, lack of experience because in the road course, everything, you know, everything seems to be coming up a lot faster. You're not just focused on being smooth with the gas pedal and with the, the steering wheel, you're focused on a lot uh, more different things. And, uh, you know, I just got really comfortable with the ovals, and I, I do actually really enjoy them. So we've had a, a very, unfortunately, long offseason, the way this has played out. <laughs> uh, you know, only a little bit of testing. What has your focus been on in the offseason, just whether it's personal training or really focusing on your weak spots as a race team to try to get stronger? Unfortunately, we kind of keep evolving the schedule, and, and it keeps changing. So really, what have you guys as a race team and organization at Dale Coyne really focused on to, to get better? I mean, it's one thing. I've been on the phone with my engineer uh, weekly and my team owners weekly. And it's, it's just keeping in touch with also the, my guy, Roy, who takes care of my car, my crew chief. And, you know, it's tightening up little details. I just want them to focus on the little things. We've done a majority of everything we can over the winter with the cars. And I just want to to pull together a little bit more on the road course side of things. Um, and as far as my training goes, you know, I've spent months in my simulator at this point to the point of where I'm basically sick of turning on a virtual race right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm actually super excited because I like the fact that there's limited testing. I like the fact that there's one practice and we go into qualifying because it gives the drivers that 
don't normally are, are that aren't used to it because in Europe we had one practice and we went to qualifying anyway. And at that point we'd only run six hot laps. So for me, this is like a blessing in disguise. You know, I'm, I'm super excited to just roll out of the, the trailer with what we got and understanding from last year, even with the aero screen adding on to a, a new effect, you know, and just putting the car on the track and driving it because it makes it so much, you know, un I understand that there's a team development at the end of the day of who's doing what, how you can use your tools and how budgets can affect. But at the end of the day, when you have that limited seat time in the car, it really comes down to how hard you can drive that car in that short period of time to make the difference. So, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, especially at an oval like Texas. And we share that anticipation with you. Listen, young man, burn the house down on Saturday night. Best wishes. And thanks so much for joining us here on brick by brick. Jack, AJ, thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, man. Good luck. Time for us now to visit with a young driver that is going to be thrown literally into the deep end of the pool, AJ, when he gets to Texas this weekend. He'll be piloting the Arrow McLaren SP uh, car for uh, uh, IndyCar Series. Oliver Askey joins us now from the race shop. Oliver, nothing like uh, going to a super fast, flat-out, balls-to-the-walls racetrack and make that your first outing. Uh, how about your Aero McLaren team? Have you guys discussed just how to maximize that, that one practice session that you're going to get? Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. I'm definitely being thrown in the deep end here for real this time. Um, it's going to be an experience that I don't think anybody in the field has ever gone through before. Um, just a single day event. Obviously, the NASCAR guys have been doing it now for a couple of weeks, but um, without any preparation, especially for, for us rookies, um, I think we need to, to go into it with a, a mindset thinking that this is more of a, more of a warm up. Um, mm. And, and more of a, like a, a practice race heading into the season because, you know, on, on a, a super speedway or a speedway like Texas, um, a lot can go wrong. And, uh, you know, we're just looking, looking for, a, for a good result um, just to stay out of trouble, you know, execute when we can. And, um, you know, I've, I'm at the shop right now doing my homework and making sure we check off all the boxes heading, heading into the race. But, uh, yeah, like you said, there's, there's not, uh, not a whole lot to, to um, – to prep for you know it's we just kind of have to take each challenge as they come throughout the day so nothing like that 220 mile per hour <laughs> practice race you know that's what i always found you know exciting but yeah i mean talk about it like in this time i mean it's with the break that we've had unfortunate with the pandemic you know what have you been able to do how do you keep your nerves calm and and not start overthinking the race and oh, this is what I'm going to experience throughout the course of the race, or this is what I'm, uh, I have to look for. So, I mean, what have you been doing just to prepare, you know, especially as you sit at the shop right now where we're just a couple of days away? Well, for one, it's going to be about 100 degrees. <laughs> the weather's just been, you know, the 10-day 10, 10 forecast has just been getting hotter and hotter every single day. So um, I've been spending as much time as I can outside. It's starting to heat up here in Indy. Uh, I've been going to the sauna. I've been working out as much as I can. Uh, like like you know, um, it's very difficult to prep for the physicality of of these race cars. You know, there's you, you use very different muscles, um, it's, and they're very hard to target in the gym. But um, I've been focusing on 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 gaining some weight, um, 
I'm, I'm, I weigh 160 right now. I've been trying to get up to 165 uh, for a long time now, eating as many calories as I can because I know they're just going to burn off through that day. And um, the, the iRacing stuff has helped a little bit, to be honest. Um, I've, I've never done a pit stop before. You know, mm. I've, I've been racing. This will be my fourth full season in car racing. So I've gone through the road to Indy every step of the way over the USF 2000 Pro Mazda or Indy Pro 2000 and, and Indy Lights last year. Um, and I've, I've never done a pit stop. So I think that's going to be quite different. Um, obviously, we've been practicing here in the shop. The guys, I think, are quicker than they were before St. Pete. So that's that's always good to see. With the 35-lap window, you know, we're going to be making two to three two or three pit stops more than we would during a normal a norm, normal race day. So I think the guys in the pits are, are going to make a big difference in the result and, and you know, how, how we can – hopefully stay, stay on the lead lap and fight with the guys at the front. And also my, my pit in and, um, and my entry to the box is, is going to be huge. So obviously with, with the, with the oval setup, it's not as easy as you, as a road course would be pulling into the pit box. So um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to think about for sure. Um, we'll see what happens. Oliver, I want to, so, well, hold on. Go ahead. Something that really just stood out to me because, and I've thought about this a little bit, but until you said it, I mean, your and my path was kind of similar in the sense you just said this is going to be your fourth full year in a race car. That was kind right. of the same way I, that happened to me. I went through, at the time, it was Skip Barber and Barber Dodge Pro Series Toyota Atlantics into Champ Car. And, you know, luckily I won pretty much every step of the way. You've done the same thing. So how do you kind of – I don't want to say tame your expectations because as a race car driver, if you're not going out there to win, you shouldn't be in the car. But – it was kind of a shock to my system because I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm racing against the best of the best now, but I still expect to go win. When that didn't happen right away, I mean, I was hard on myself. So how do you do that for yourself? Kind of still go out there knowing that the ultimate goal is to win, but maybe tame the expectations knowing that I'm racing against the best in the world now. Right. And Will Power said it multiple times over the past couple months. It's this, ser this series and, and the, the, the drivers we have in IndyCar right now are the most competitive it's ever been. And for me to step into the series now with, with three, three full seasons under my belt through the road to Indy, obviously it's a great tool and a great learning program for, for young drivers, but um, it's, it's going to be very difficult. I know that I have a great race car and a great team behind me. So that always helps, um, especially on ovals. I mean, our, our cars have been really quick at Texas in the past. Uh, James was very close to winning there last year. Um, so that's, that's a confidence booster. You know, I know I'm, I'm, I feel pretty good about qualifying. Um, we have to impound the cars. So once, once you qualify, you have to run that car for the race. So we're going to be qualifying with pretty high downforce cars. And, um, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be trimming out and it's not going to be that, that difficult for us to be flat. So I'm confident we're going to have a, a decent starting position for the race. So. It's going to be a challenging year, no doubt, but um, I'm, I'm thankful to, to be around the people that, um, that are here at Air McLaren SP, um, you know, with Robert Wickens as well, being, being our driver coach, um, that helps a lot. He's got a lot of recent experience in the car, and I, I think he's probably the best mentor in the paddock at the moment, so good, good guy to have in my corner. Indeed. We're continuing our conversation with Oliver Askew. He's part of a two-car team, actually. Technically a three-car team. <laughs> when Robbie's ready to return to the cockpit, he'll have a ride there with the uh, Aero McLaren SP 
uh, racing team, along with Pat O'Ward, who is your teammate. Oliver, I want to circle back to, as you said, uh, the stints have been reduced. It'll be 35 laps between stints. You talked about not having made pit stops. You know, one of the keys for the veterans is not necessarily when you hit pit road, it's your in-lap and your out-lap. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like to err on the side of caution that you don't try to maximize this, maximize that element of a pit stop until you acquire the skill set and the seat time of coming in, changing four fire stones, taking a full load of Sunoco fuel, and then moving out? Do you, do you leave a little bit on the table during those in-laps and out-laps under green fly conditions? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, Takuma is a great example of, of how it can go wrong last year yeah. at Texas Motor Speedway. You know, as, as the sun drops down, it gets a bit cooler, and that pit lane is super slick. Um, and you got to be on top of your tools as well. You got to change your, change your weight jacker when you come to the pit, so you got a little, little bit of weight on that left front tire. So it's, uh, it's like I said before, we have, we have uh, you know, a, the, the diff is locked on ovals, so it's much harder to rotate the car into the box. Um, mm. So there's probably more time that you can lose than gain in the box coming into the box. You know, as long as I hit my marks, it's, um, and have a, have a good clean exit and a, and a good outlap. Um, that's, that's all I'm looking for this weekend. Um, and as you said, as I get more confidence, I can try to attack the pit lane a bit more, a bit more. And then, and that's ultimately how, how you win races and win championships. Um, Joseph Newgarden is probably the best guy at it at the moment. His outlaps and, and in-laps and, and pit stops are, are um, on average probably the best best in, in the series right now. So we'll try to emulate that as I get more more seat time. Well, we wish you nothing but the very best. Good to finally get the season underway. Stay safe, go fast, and remember to finish first. You first must finish. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. Coming up next, an in-depth interview with the man behind the NTT IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and oh so many other things, including Team Penske, the captain front and center, right after these messages. Coming up next. Roger Penske. We're going to run the Indy 500 in 2020. We're looking at all the aspects of that. We think our timetable was smart to move it out. The good news is, as we see the COVID numbers coming down, we watch it every day in the state of Indiana. I think it's positive. So we will have an Indy 500 in August. This is Brick by Brick with A.J. Allmendinger and Jack Aroot. This is Eddie McGuire. Join me Thursday nights at 6 Eastern for Aussie Football Rules America on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and the Sirius XM app. Welcome back to the only weekly NTT IndyCar Series talk show on Sirius XM. This is Brick by Brick. Joining us now on this edition of Brick by Brick is uh, the guy that probably when he took over ownership of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, as well as the NTT IndyCar Series, certainly didn't anticipate 254 days without an engine firing. We're talking about Roger Penske. Roger, thanks so much for carving some time out for us. That 254-day wait period, I, I would have to think, has challenged you, your staff, and probably taxed you to the max. Well, Jack, uh, you know, it's ironic when you start in September and you announce uh, uh, in November and you close in January and you're, <laughs> you're rocking and rolling, getting ready for, you know, for the uh, May event. 
and uh, then mid mid March uh, everything came to a halt. But you know, I'm amazed at the uh, flexibility of the team at Indianapolis. Uh, you know, we've started and continued to complete uh, significant capex. You know, really these are guest improvements, enhancements for not really revenue, but more to make it more guest uh, appreciative for what the things we can offer them throughout, uh, you know, the future history of the Speedway. But, uh, you know, we're coming up on the Brickyard, uh, you know, on the 4th of July weekend. And we're all focused on that right now to see just exactly, do we have fans, do we don't have fans? It's all really comes down to basically what stage is the Marion County in from a city perspective and then where's the governor? So we've been working very closely with them. Mark Miles is really the leader there. And I guess we're not ready to announce one way or the other, but it's gonna be purely up to uh, you know what requirements because the most primary thing we have to concern ourselves with is the health of our fans and the health of our team members, not only the competitors, but the team members that are running the Speedway. And let's talk about the series for just a moment. Uh, coming up this weekend, we finally get uh, some cars on the racetrack with, uh, you know, the new Halo device and uh, Eddie Gossage, who uh, we visited with Roger a couple of weeks ago. And he said, you know, I'm a promoter. He said, and now I'm holding a race where I have to concentrate on other things other than promotion. And that's the logistics. Uh, how important is it? to get the series off and running, albeit without fans? Well, I think when you go back, remember we were at St. Pete ready to go. We yeah. were there and then all of a sudden overnight, uh, the mayor said we had to shut down. So we've kind of had a, a race ready and then had to, had to really shut down. So our teams, uh, certainly IndyCar, Jay Fry and his whole organization is, is really in shape, ready to go. Eddie Gossage has been a real pleasure to deal with because I went to him and said, what are we gonna do here? And we were able to do a handshake over the phone, how we would handle it. And we'd handle it without fans. We had some specifics. I think I said to him, IndyCar, what's it worth to you folks? We need to have a race. And he said, it means a, ver a lot to the Texas Motor Speedway. So we were able to commit early that we'd go back to Texas without fans. And obviously, we're looking at the playbook that NASCAR's had. We worked very closely with Steve O'Donnell and, and Phelps and the team over there to get this thing where we could be consistent, you know, really from, from sanctioning body to sanctioning body. So I think this is a precursor for Eddie having a NASCAR race there. And for us to go back, we have a one-day show there. We put it together where our guys will leave Indianapolis early Saturday morning. Uh, they'll come in. Uh, they'll get ready for practice uh, qualifying in the race, and then they'll go home. And I think very few people will be out of the Indianapolis, at least the teams will be out more than one day, which uh, I think is key when we look at, you know, some of the shutdown and things we have to deal with. Roger, let's stay focused on, uh, on the IndyCar series specifically. And as you mentioned, Jay Fry, what, what have you challenged your leadership to do uh, in these very uncertain times as it applies to the series? Well, I think what we have to do is try to understand the health of the teams. You know, we have 22 leader circle teams, which uh, obviously we're getting no revenue at all with no races. So we've committed and made a uh, payment in April. Uh, we made a payment in May and we'll make a payment here in June to the teams from the standpoint of supporting them, you know, with their leader circle payments, which I think uh, shows them, you know, our commitment as a company, you know, to the series. Also, we've had lots of negotiations uh, 
uh, Mark Miles really leading those with NBC. As you know, the first race is going to be at prime time, uh, you know, on, on Saturday night, which uh, 8 till 10, which is terrific from the time slot we'll showcase in our team. So, you know, we're looking at teams. We're looking at working with our NBC partners. And then obviously, we're looking at, uh, you know, potentially adding uh, other manufacturers. You probably heard it. Uh, there's been discussions with Ferrari might be interested in joining the series coming in 2022 when we have the new engine rules. And uh, would, that would be a great asset to have a third manufacturer in the series. Uh, as we continue our conversation here with Roger Penske, Roger, one thing that will be missing this Saturday night, I cannot recall the last time that at least on one of the Team Penske entries, Roger Penske, headset in hand, standing on pit road, or actually on the pit wall, doing the strategy. Uh, have you thought about the fact that, you know, you're not going to be able to go to the dance that way this weekend? Well, I've been thinking about where I'm going to be. <laughs> How many radios am I going to have to be listening to, you know, as a promoter, uh, as a team owner, where I am. But, you know, on a serious note, uh, we've got great guys, uh, and Ron Rajiski will, you know, handle uh, – Will Powers car this year and uh, does a terrific job. So, you know, I think uh, the team's in, in great hands. And what I want to be doing is supporting whatever I can do, you know, the IndyCar team in total. I've met with uh, the key committees over there here in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, they've got their act together. If you looked at our playbook that we put together, I mean, almost minute by minute on what, how we're going to execute from the time we get to the Indy airport until we get off, mm. obviously, uh, in Dallas. But, uh, no, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be there somewhere for sure, probably up high. I think I'm going like I go to an NASCAR race. I'll put my headsets on and sit <laughs> in a seat in some suite and see what happens. Well, it's been pretty successful now the NASCAR's return. Look at, look at the performance in the 600, and then again, just this week with, uh, with your buddy, one of your drivers, uh, Mr. Keselowski, getting off the schneid and joining Joey Logano as a winner. Let me switch gears for a minute. You, look, we, we all live and breathe the Indianapolis 500. It is called the greatest spectacle in racing because it is indeed that. You have always expressed a profound respect for the legacy that was developed over the course of 100-plus years. Um, you know, all the capital improvements, you already announced that you were going to increase the purse. You were way ahead of the curve by uh, postponing the race to the end of, uh, of August. Um, in your wildest dreams, have you considered the prospect that we might not meet that 23rd date? Uh, because you're a proactive kind of guy. I would think you've probably already at least challenged your leadership to say, all right, if we can't do it on the 23rd of August, where can we? How important is it to run the Indy 500 in the year 2020? Jack, let me just give you a couple words. We're going to run the Indy 500 in 2020. We're looking at all the aspects of that. Uh, we think our timetable was smart to move it out. I think it's almost three months from now when you think about it. Mm. You know, people are from level three to level four to level five. Uh, and I think people in our restaurants are open. There's lots of things that are going on. So our moving that out, I think, was the right move. And that was really done with the team down in Indy and working, you know, with the state and with the city from the standpoint what was realistic. The good news is, as we see the COVID numbers, uh, obviously the disturbances we're seeing in some of the cities now, obviously, you know, that's maybe taken front page. But 
you know, with COVID coming down, we watch it every day in the state of Indiana, I think it's positive. So we will have an Indy 500 uh, in, in, uh, in August. And fans that attend that Indy 500 are going to be treated uh, to some sizable infrastructure capital improvements. Uh, I, I remember the late Graham Hill uh, bemoaning the fact that the restrooms did not have doors on them. And now you've uh, re reconstituted all of the restrooms. You've added video boards, all this multi-million dollar capital improvement. Uh, longtime fans are going to be startled when they finally see what you and your team have been able to execute, even in this pandemic. Well, I think it's a credit uh, to the team at Indy. Uh, we've got some great vendors, people who have committed themselves and their people to keep us on track, you know, for the, for the 500 and for the Brickyard. And from a media perspective, I think you'd be happy. The parking lot where most of the media parked was always in mud. That's being paved as I sit here today. Final You're paved. kidding. So we'll, <laughs> run a, we'll run a shuttle back and forth and take you hot dogs uh, from, from the media lot to, uh, to the uh, press room. So those are just some of the things that we've done. But I think the most important thing is, is the communication capability that we're going to have with our fans. We're putting up 27 video boards along the front straightaway in the grandstands on the first level from turn four to turn one because they have no access to see any of the replays. So that's really key. Then on the back of the pagoda, we're putting a 20 by 100 board, which will cover the whole back of the pagoda. So there on normally on race day in May, you'll be able to see Monaco in the morning. You can see other things. We can have watch parties there for the fans that come out from Indianapolis that want to watch us racing in other areas. We're repurposing two boards off the pagoda, putting one on the road course at turn seven and the other one out at gate one. So when you walk in, you're going to see action going on at the track. And I think these are just some of the few things that we're doing. The other thing, which is really exciting, when the winner crosses the finish line, he'll come around the track. He'll come in through the gate and get on a lift. And in 30 seconds, we'll have the car, the driver and the team and the press up on the Victory Circle podium. I think that's going to be outstanding. We've come a long way from uh, what's going to follow our little uh, brick by brick tonight. 1969, when Mario Andretti drove into the turn one area into a grassy lot, only to have a big wet one planted on him by, uh, by Andy Granatelli. But Granatelli, that's, yeah. that's following this. Uh, look, as a competitor, you know, over 50 years, You've been part of the legacy that is the Indy 500. These are challenging times, but I'm going to challenge you for a second, Roger. What's in your plans for 2021, 22, and 23, i.e. beyond? Once we're past this and we're back to an actual normal. Well, let's, let's talk, uh, number one, about IndyCar. You know, from the standpoint of IndyCar, we want to add more races uh, to the schedule. Uh, I think we want to have a balance between ovals and also road courses, uh, permanent road courses, uh, obviously temporary like Detroit, you know, like Long Beach, uh, like Toronto, places like that will continue. I think we'll have a rule change uh, as we go into 2022 on engines. Uh, we're hoping at that point that we'll have more than two engine manufacturers. Obviously, that's going to be very important. You know, we're working with our media partners to expand our reach with them as we go forward in the next 12 to 24 months from an IndyCar perspective. 
what I like right now, looking at the quality of the teams that are coming to IndyCar, the new young drivers that have hit the pavement and, and Kurt and people like that that have done a great job, and you've got two or three more coming this year, that continued route to Indy, I think, is very important with young drivers, and that'll make us stronger. And to me, we, as you know, we decided not to run the Indy lights this year. I don't know if you picked that up in the last mm -hmm. couple of days. We really only had six or seven cars that we thought might compete. And we can't be putting on a series with six or seven cars. I think that's a detriment to the brand. And I feel what we're going to sit down with Anderson and with the teams that are competing and look at maybe a new rule package for even for 21 that we can maybe bring Indy lights where we each team, each team that's registered as a leader circle team will provide at least one entry so we can bring that back. And that'll be a key part of our ladder series to bring these guys up the ladder into the Indy 500. From the Speedway perspective, probably the big focus will be to build, build the Brickyard weekend. Uh, I look at maybe more double headers with NASCAR. We'll see how it works, uh, you know, on, on the Brickyard to see if that's a, an action that we want to take in the future. I'd like to have uh, a big sports car event. You know, we're talking about the October date now where we're going to be there, you know, for the harvest race will be the, would be the third event at Indianapolis. And then is there an opportunity for a Formula One race, you know, 21, 22, or 23? So I know I went through those pretty quickly, but that's a pretty good playbook. Uh, and we'll continue to upgrade the facility, areas of safety that might be required. We want to continue to look at those. And again, we've got a thousand acres. What can we do to bring more commercial benefit to the Speedway, this town of Speedway and the city and also the state? So we've got a real gem there. And I think that uh, we have a great opportunity here. And certainly I'm disappointed. Uh, and I might give you a fact that you probably didn't know. We decided uh, the team at Indy uh, Mark and Doug and Allison Melanchthon decided let's do something special, you know, before the rerun and maybe had a chance to look at that. But that was a great job by our RMSP production team. And uh, so I went there with my wife on Sunday. Mark was there, some of our leadership, and the governor came with his wife. And uh, we had a great uh, day, uh, watched the start of the race, and we all went our way afterwards. But a couple of days later, I was in Indianapolis and in a meeting and the governor showed up and he, he brought me a gift and I opened it up and here it was, it was a triangle and in it was the, the state flag that was flying over the state house on, on May 24th when the race should have been done. It is, was folded and think about it, it was the 19th state to join the union. Think about that, that. And I said, that was my 19th Borg to get this flag and it was all laid out in a thing and he gave that to me. So that was my winning trophy for, uh, for 2000 uh, in, in 20 on, on, May, on May 24. So we've had quite a good time you know, with this, even in the times of uncertainty. Roger, I'm gonna give you the last word. Any particular message that you want to extend out to uh, the fans as we get ready to get back to racing for real? Well, listen, I think all of us uh, need to be sure uh, that we're watching our health uh, uh, looking at our kids, uh, you know, our employees, our friends, our associate, certainly from the racing community. That means not only the drivers and all the people around it, but the fans. Thank you for the support. 
uh, that you've done to date on all of these, some of the E-series, also looking at the TV uh, numbers look good from the standpoint of people watching without fans. But let's get back to racing. We need fans in the stands. And Jack, I thank you and Sirius for what they're doing to support uh, us during these unprecedented times. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roger. Well, Dinger, it's been kind of a fascinating mix and match here as we get ready and anticipate the Saturday action and the kickoff of the 2020 campaign for the IndyCar Series. I feel very secure with Roger Penske at the helm, not only for the immediate future, but for the near, for the far future. And I couple with that, I feel genuinely excited when you got youngsters like Ferrucci and, and like Oliver Askew. The changing of the guard is underway, my friend. Somewhat. I think there's a couple of uh, experienced race car drivers that are going to have something to say with that. The Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Will Powers, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, we have a, a mixture of spectacular talent in this series. Uh, the unique challenges that we're going to face Saturday night at Texas, limited practice, qualifying, and then straight into the race. One day show. It's going to be hot. It's going to be slick. Got the aero screen. Drivers are going to be sweating. So uh, it's about time, Jack. It's time to, uh, to make this season happen and, and kick it off. And most, more importantly, to be quite honest with you, what most likely will be the largest television audience outside of an Indianapolis 500 to watch an IndyCar event. Uh, Eddie Gossage mentioned it, AJ, when we visited with him. It's an incredible opportunity to showcase this discipline to millions of Americans because, as, it, as I said before, it's on the mothership, NBC primetime. So I know you'll be watching. I'll be watching. Quick reminder to all of you as we open the show, our thoughts and prayers go out during this time of unrest. And lest we forget, we've got to remember that uh, we still have to keep in our prayers those that continue to provide us with essential services. And uh, more importantly, all of us being cautious and safe. If you missed any of this show or any of our other Brick by Bricks, a quick reminder, they're all available on the SiriusXM app as well as Pandora. All you have to do is type in the search bar, Brick by Brick. SiriusXM's Director of Sports Programming is Andy King. Our Brick by Brick producer, as well as our IndyCar Classics producer, is Nate Lee. I bring up IndyCar Classics, folks, because you need to stay right where you are. Because on this edition of IndyCar Classics, coming your way in just minutes, Mario Andretti visits with us and relives his 1969 Indy 500 victory. For our guests, Oliver Askew, for Roger Penske, and for Santino Ferrucci, and most importantly, for my co-host, the Dinger, A.J. Allmendinger, I'm Jack Aroot. Stay strong, everyone, and we'll see you again next week. Next week.